Welcome to the Limerick Post News Roundup, where we bring you this week's news in bite-sized portions. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and you can keep up to date with all Limerick news on limerickpost.ie or following the hashtag KeepingLimerickPosted on all social media channels. This week's podcast is brought to you in association with Iceland. Big deals, lowest prices. I'm now joined in studio by Jerry Collison, Head of News. Jerry, how are you getting on? Not too bad at all. Like, um, you know, after last night's excitement on the uh, football field. The Liverpool game there on Tuesday, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, one of the few occasions I'd love to have been a Liverpool supporter. But anyway, didn't stop us all from joining in the fun. No, no. Um, what you make of the game? Ara, I joined now, we say, uh, 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 just after half time. They were one nil up. And at that stage, I thought they were doing very well. I thought they'd do very well, like we said, to hold on for 1-0. But I suppose, like an awful lot of other people, I didn't see what was coming, actually coming. So, uh, yeah, but there was one, there was one lad in, in Limerick, or even a woman from Limerick, who uh, put on a bet, did a little bit more than I would have done, put their money where their mouth was, and actually uh, bet on not alone Liverpool winning 4-0, um, but also the identity of the... Uh, person who would score first so uh, the punter correctly predicted yes that they'd win uh, 4-0 uh, which was also a huge punt given that Barcelona had won the first leg 3-0 and that the uh, player Origi would actually uh, be the first person to score now but I got the bet at 50-1 to had um, Liverpool actually come back and beaten um, Barcelona 4-0 but the odds went up to 215 to 1 if they uh, were able to correctly identify the first score and of course they did so for uh, a bet of um, I think it was 20 quid um, they walked away with almost four and a half grand uh, which was a nice night's work not bad from 20 bob is it no mm-hmm. and you know what would be no no harm now if we were able to pop into that person that might give us the lot of numbers for the weekend. <laughs> Help us out. Look us on their side, all right. Yeah. Uh, sticking with the kind of sports team, we had the great Limerick run on the weekend. We did, and there were some great performances. There were people there who probably would have had no business or wouldn't have seen themselves running, let's say, even a month ago. But um, there was one competitor there that, that sort of caught the eye for a number of reasons. One of the reasons was that he had a, a fairly flashy looking um, wheelchair or tricycle um, contraption that he went around the course on. Um, but the other one was that it was his fifth uh, Great Limerick run uh, to participate in. Um, he's a young lad, a 14 year old um, called Sean Burns, and he's from Carcon Reefy. And um, yeah, he, he went around the course in a, in a personal best of uh, 63 minutes which isn't too bad long for 10 kilometers very good yeah right. and um actually what he wants to do he, he seems to be a very inspiring young man and what he wants to do is he wants to set up a club where um youngsters in a similar situation as himself would be able to compete at these events and uh he needs to to be able to get some of these hand bikes um these are bikes that are propelled by hand power so he's able to get around the course and get around it fairly quick as well. But these these uh, these do not come cheap. So he's looking to raise about 10 grand. So he'll be able to go along and um, supply these these uh, hand bikes to other competitors. So, I mean, fair play to him. And uh, his, his parents, as you'd imagine, 
his mother actually ran the, ran the 10K with him. They must be incredibly proud of this young man. So fair play to him. And it's nice to see these kind of positive stories come out of the Regeneron Great Limerick Run. It kind of brings the community together and it gave Sean the platform. Yeah, and, and the amount of people that would have been running as well for, for causes, you know, how many people would have been running there, you know, in memory of, of, of people maybe who had died or people who were struggling with, with illness and that sort of thing. So it's a fantastic outlet for that. And it's also a fairly significant um fundraising um vehicle for a lot of for a lot of organizations um so some of the stories were really inspiring but that was the one that 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 caught the eye of david uh, rally yeah and uh, is there any other new stories that stood out to you jerry actually one being being a native of of Monegal, that metropolis and the uh, north tipperary uh, south offaly border they had um, some kind of link to a we yeah you know uh, the, the obamas uh, well known i came yeah. from there yeah there's, <laughs> there's a few few of us are well known there but um we were a little bit outdone um last week when they uh, unveiled a bronze statue to jfk in the the, the town of bruff um, so they have a very bronzed looking president there. Now, it's a nice little bit of work, cost them 40 grand. But in my opinion, it's 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 a fairly good piece of work done by a clear sculptor called Sean Connolly. Um, his dad, I think, would have been a, um, a Limerick man, would have been responsible for a good few uh, statues around the place and would also have been responsible, let's say, for the um, rural regeneration um, program that brought a lot of people to West Clare and Connemara back in the day. But um, Sean anyway has crafted this um, statue of JFK, which is now standing proudly in Brough, the ancestral home of JFK. So, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of enterprise and a lot of thought went into it. Um, I mean, we've seen a lot of uh, statues around Limerick recently not being received as well as people wished, but this one seems to be in yeah, the spot. Yeah, yeah, and anybody who has seen it, um, and even people who have, you know, just seen not lost in a photograph of it, have remarked, you know, that not alone does it bear a fairly good resemblance of JFK, um, but it also features the Bible, which is the, the family Bible, and which he was inaugurated, and uh, that actually came from Brough, and uh, you know, is one of those heritage pieces, I suppose, that um, you know the town is is particularly proud of. Thanks very much for joining us, Jerry. All that news can be found in this week's Limerick Post newspaper or online at limerickpost.ie. Joining me in studio now is Bernie English, our journalist. Bernie, welcome to the show. How are you getting on? Hi, Keen. How are you? We've had a busy day with elections and whatnot, and a busy weekend. We sure did. We had a lot of fun at Riverfest. Barbecue went away, flipping a lot of burgers. I'm telling you, I'm thinking of, thinking of a change of career. <laughs> so, Bertie, uh, leading on the front page this week, we have uh, women shying away from the local elections. Yeah, sobering story, uh, Keen. We got the statistics about how many candidates are women in this election. And Limerick voters will have a choice of 92 candidates when it comes to polling day. But less than a quarter of those are, wom- are women, just one in five are women. Now, it has to be said, it's an improvement from the 2011 elections what, what when only figures? one in eight women were women. But it still seems a very, very small statistic. The 2011 elections had a much smaller field. This is one of the biggest fields ever in Limerick. And we would have thought that we would have, that would have been more inclusive for women. For whatever reason, they don't want, they, they seem to be reluctant to stand for office. Now, there may be lots of reasons for that, and we can only speculate on that. Now, most of the parties would have brought in gender quotas. 
Well, they do for the for the for the uh, national elections. I don't don't know if any of the parties particularly brought in gender quotas for this, and that's evident from um, that's absolutely evident from the numbers who are standing. Uh, we have we have we have one area where there's no women standing at all in the county, and I think that's that's a damning indictment on on how we try to be inclusive of women, on how we listen to women's needs and views. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a debate on that once this election is over. And what do we think the main factors would be? I know there was talks about childcare and stuff recently in the paper. Well, yes, there's been a lot of, you know, there, there are, there are mul- multiple factors why women seem to be a little bit reluctant to stand when it comes to, in comparison to men. I think one of the factors, has to be said, is that the parties themselves need to be more proactive in encouraging women to come forward. We seem to be less, less uh, likely to put ourselves in the public eye and be held up to scrutiny. And I think that's a factor, definitely. If you, if you look at the people who ran for the first time and sat in the last council, a lot of the people who are now retiring are women who sat f- f- just through one, who ran for the first time, last time out, got elected, and have sat just through one council sitting. So that's that's another statistic, I think, that the parties are really going to have to examine. And the factors that are involved in making them step down as well. Well, that's, that's, that, some of those would be private, some of those would, would be related probably to the same reasons that women are reluctant to stand in the first place. But I think it behoves the parties to have an exit poll with those people and ask, why are you leaving? And uh, you mentioned youth there. It seems to be a fairly youthful uh, branch of election candidates. I know we don't do the figures on that, but judging by... Yeah, I know. Well, they say you're getting old when policemen start to look young and when election candidates start <laughs> to look young, I think it's very much time for me to start thinking about hanging up my hat. But definitely there seems to be quite a youthful feel there. And we have, we have some doyens of public life bowing out this, this time round. So it's, it's, it's good that we're getting a fresh wave of energy and it's good to see that young people are at least enthusiastic about politics. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, Bernie, another uh, shocking story in the paper with you this week. Indeed, yeah, we have um, we have a Mona Lean woman, Ruth Morrissey, who has been told she has a very short time to live, and in that very short time left to her, she was put through an ordeal of 37 days in court. Now, if you think about a court sitting lasting from Monday to Friday, or sometimes only Thursday, that was a very long time out of her very, very short lifespan. She was eventually awarded 2.1 million, and it was a landmark decision because the judge said, in this case, held that the laboratories in the HSE were all equally responsible. She is, of course, one of the women who got caught up in the cervical smear um, scandal. Um, and she's, she's, she's got her award, but she said after she came out, there must be some way for women not to have to go through this adversarial ordeal. Leo Vradker promised us um, a tribunal, but you know, the details of that tribunal are the devil in the detail. A tribunal, in this case, would still be adversarial. You know, the, the, the laboratories, the HSE, will all make their arguments as to why they're not responsible for these women being told they're dying. And for a lot of these women, it is a terminal illness that they have. So if a tribunal is going ahead, it's more time being taken It's more time being taken. It's also, they still have to go in and give very personal details of their lives, just not in public this time. Uh, really, what, what the answer is, a lot of people are saying, is for the state to set up a compensation fund, pay them, and then let the state sue the laboratories. The state has all the time in the world to do this. The state has the money to do this. These are ordinary people who are risking quite a lot in financial terms and a huge amount in emotional and health terms going in to do this. And it shouldn't be so. And uh, Bernie, that's a story that we're following for some time now and it seems like we will be following for... Sadly, Keen, yes, I think we will. um, Unless there's an announcement sometime in the next couple of weeks that the adversarial element of this is going to be taken out of 
any tribunal or any awards board. And, you know, a lot of people are saying this is the way to go and this is this is what the Taoiseach should do now. Bernie, thanks very much for joining us. And those, both those stories are available in this week's Limerick Post newspaper and online at limerickpost.ie. Thank you, Keen. I'm now joined by Megan Scully in the studio. Megan, how are you getting on? I'm good. I'm finally just about back to normal after a b- busy weekend. weekend. Oh, wow. Like, I, I don't know how you're still functioning. I know I'm, I'm struggling here. Well, what were your highlights? Well... Apart from everything. Oh, gosh. Okay, okay. I think um, for Friday, I actually really enjoyed Fashion Friday. It was great to see what's around Limerick. And I think as well, um, I definitely spotted a few things that I want to get. Um, and even just seeing the buzz around the village on Friday was really good. Saturday and then the barbecue, it was tough work, but I thought it was so much fun and I really enjoyed it. And I'm like already thinking about next year. And I think next year we should enter the competition because I really think we could win. Definitely. I'm going to go with fancy dress, though. I think we yeah. should enter, like, dress. I mean, there was a good bit of banter there, and I saw Sexton's won the fancy dress. They were dressed yeah, as pizzas. Yeah, they were amazing. They're so class. They're yeah, just incredible. Um, so I think, you know, uh, we could take that on, and I think we could do better. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you have to up our game. Yeah. And uh, Street Feast on Monday, then. It was uh, the first proper episode of the Limerick Post Show with Megan Scully. Yeah, that was so exciting. Upstairs in the commercial on Catherine Street. Oh, that was the best way to end Riverfest and also to kick off our show because there's great buzz around the place there's music there's entertainment there's loads of people mixing around together like people from the community um, making make new friends meeting old friends and like everything about it was just so good so yeah I think it's safe to say that we're pretty tired after it all but it was just a great buzz and dare I say roll on next year definitely and your first guests on the show were hazy haze and citrus yes so um <laughs> i wasn't as familiar with them as you were and then um i was told about their explicit content and we're big hip-hop prepared. fans in here in yeah this, on this podcast, but i have yeah. to say i really enjoyed their act they got a great crowd and uh, yeah they definitely are explicit yeah. and you know what no child batted an eyelid and none of the parents did either. well they come with a warning label you know so yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. If you say you're going to be explicit, then, you know, you've already been told. So it's up to you then to listen or not. But I actually do want to go to one of their gigs some night. So you have to take me to one of them. And I can, I'd like to see the, what they're like when they're not at a family fun event. Exactly. And uh, they were actually well behaved on your show. There was no... There was no event. explicit content. Yeah. We didn't have to bleep out any words. And uh, yeah, they're <laughs> great. Now we're all friends on social media. So it's brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, Megan, as well, at the Riverfest, there was 120,000 people came to Limerick mm-hmm. City. It was... So crazy to think that we had that many people around, but you know what? The queues and stuff around all the different events and even getting into the village will kind of show you. And when I was inside the village sitting down, you were kind of scrambling to get a get a, a bench, which was super to see. So it's go, so good for Limerick City and uh, it's brought so much revenue in as well, which is brilliant. Um, and as well, of course, the Great Limerick Run, which took place on Sunday, which I ran in and I ran a really good time. Um, <laughs> that had 14,000 people. So 14,000 people running the roads of Limerick. It's, it's just like phenomenal so uh, I have to say everything about it the entire weekend from start to finish was electric I heard a lot about the support from people while everyone's out running do you know what and that's what makes the difference because when you're struggling and you hear your name or even just someone saying come on you got this and a load of kids were out like with their hands out doing high fives every time I saw a child with a high five I ran straight over because I was like yes you're you're giving me momentum you're so it's more going. than 10k if you're zigzagging from hand to hand you I know, know. <laughs> I probably actually really did a half marathon now that I think about it um, but yeah no it was brilliant the support from the people was wonderful and then when we left kind of the city and went out around um out by Villiers um, loads of people were out with jellies and sweets and it was great so we were getting fed as well and then all the water stations so I was just like grand I don't even have lunch this is brilliant so uh, 
catch up with all the Riverfest news, you can read Megan's article in the Limerick Post this week and online at limerickpost.ie. Yes, I spoke to Sheila Deegan and I spoke to Mary James Collins and I spoke to John Moran as well and they all had a great things to say about Riverfest, which is uh, wonderful. And yeah, as said, also um, you might recognise my face on the front page of the paper. Two, two weeks, weeks in a row. row. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Pressure's on now for next week already. Yeah, we're, we're already thinking what we can do. Uh, Megan, how can people watch the Limerick Post show with Megan Scully? Well, head on to YouTube, search Limerick Post and hit subscribe. And then if you hit the bell button as well, that means you'll get notified every time we drop a video. Now, we will be dropping a few videos a week, so you don't want to miss out on them. Um, someone asked me what the videos are about. Well, basically, it's highlighting Limerick in a positive light, in an entertaining way. And also by taking you around Limerick City to show you a lot of the places and the people maybe that you haven't met before or, or said the places you haven't been before and kind of just to shine a very good and positive light on Limerick City. So, so far we have the Street Feast and Elisa O'Donovan. Yes, yeah. and for Friday we have something special lined up and then for Monday um, something entertaining lined up. So A couple of yeah, funny lads. A mm. pair of nice lads that aren't from Limerick but I have to say yeah. enjoy Limerick a lot and they have do. some very uh, good things to say. So yeah, I'm excited for that. Brilliant, looking forward to that, Megan. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Keen, thank you so much. This week's podcast is brought to you by Iceland. Great deals, lowest prices. Joining me in studio now is John Keogh, a journalist with Sporting Limerick. John, how are you getting on? I'll go Keogh and yourself. Ah, not too bad, you have a nice weekend. Good weekend, uh, River yeah. Fest was, was happening. Not, not much sports though. That was, there's always sports, you had Munster, Munster against Bennett on Saturday, you know. It was, wasn't the liveliest of games, but Munster got through and that's that's all uh, that matters yeah. from our point of view. Anyway. So uh, we may as well start with the GA, I know there's a Gaelic football game coming Yeah, up. started Munster Senior Football Championship, started Senior Hurling Championship, but of course Limerick not involved this weekend. And Limerick looking for their first Munster Championship win since 2012 when they travelled to Semple Stadium to play tip on Saturday. And is there a chance of a shocker there or an upset? Well, let's see. Just, there's, there's a loaded question anyway for a start. <laughs> Truth is, I don't know. I mean, Limerick have made strides this year. They won their first two um, Alliance uh, League, Football League Division 4 games, but lost their last five. But that doesn't tell the true story. Limerick were very close to win, to winning a lot of them games, and especially the, the Wexford and Leitrim um, defeats kind of rankled with Billy Lee because it was their own as errors rather than other teams playing well. So th- they're a bit of an unknown quantity. They've... They've, they've, they've definitely improved from last year. Last year was very sobering. Defeats to Clare and Mayo. Big defeat to Mayo and big defeat to Clare as well. And there was a lot of underlying issues. Billy Lee got national attention for mm-hmm. highlighting those issues. But things just weren't on a, a good level last year. They're definitely coming into the season, into this championship season with more positivity. They're playing a Tipperary team that have been relegated from Division 2. They're managed by former Limerick manager Liam Kearns. You know, it, it may be set up for a Limerick ambush but they're going to have to play at their very very highest level to, yeah, this to is a temporary team who did have some sort of success the last couple of seasons yeah to, oh, I learned semi-finalists three yeah. years ago they're, they're no mugs they had a lot of injury problems during the league campaign which contributed to them dropping down to Division 3 they're probably they're not a Division 3 team if they've everyone fit but you know, if, they, if Tipperary turn up and play to their capabilities you have to imagine that they'll come out on top but Limerick will be going in They've gone in a bit under the radar, but as both Billy Lee said, as giant captain Ian Corbett says, and Sporting Limerick's panellist Paranahan said, it's time to step up now. There's no moral, moral victories are done with Limerick footballers now. They need they need a performance. They're capable of that performance, but as I said, it's going to be a huge task. And uh, you'd hope with the success of the hurlers last year, it might kind of go around all the other 
codes of GA. Yeah, that, that's the hope, all right. But we have an interesting one um, Saturday as well. The precursor to the Limerick Tip senior football game is the Limerick Intermediate Footballers. Of course, the ladies Limerick uh, Intermediate Footballers, of course, won the All-Ireland Junior Championship last year. But there's been a major hassle now with a fixture clash with the Camogie team. A Camogie game fixed for Saturday evening as well. Basically means that three players, Nia Ryan, Roisin Ambrose and Rebecca DeLee, will have a lovely choice to make whether they turn out for the footballers or the camogie team. Look, it's it's an absolute farce. It, it, it's happening way too much in ladies' GA and it's something that needs to be fixed. It's not the fault of the ladies' football board in Limerick. It's not the fault of the association. The camogie association in Limerick, this fault lies at national fixtures level and... And then there's always the issue farce. of Pelnaman not being part of the GA. Yeah, they're they're separate. Um, they're separate boards, the Ladies yeah. Football Board and the Camogie Association. But it still shouldn't come down to it. Should absolutely, it? it's look, it's disgraceful that three players who give their all for both codes, mm-hmm. and who who should be commended for trying to play both codes, and and it's not often you'll see a dual star nowadays. No, anyway, it's and just then, in um, reality, it just isn't. The time isn't there yeah. anymore. So something should be done to accommodate them both. I don't think it's possible anymore in men's sport. I'm not sure how possible if this stuff keeps happening in women's sport as well, but it's an absolute disgrace that this has come in such important games for both codes. And uh, we don't have any Limerick hurling this weekend, senior hurling, but... Yeah, uh, we've the started Munster Championship. Oh, the um, reason will be on that, I'd imagine. Yeah, tip. Well, John Kiley will certainly yeah. be looking at it. <laughs> I think any Limerick fan will be looking at it. You've Cork and tip, which is always a huge rivalry. But Waterford Clare, to me, is a huge, huge game. One you're interested in, Keen. Well, sure. Waterford haven't lost a championship game in Walsh Park in the last couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> Conversely, they haven't played one in Walsh Park either. You know, it's going to be very interesting to see. It's, it is a very small venue, as you know. Um, but Waterford's two home games this year against Limerick and Clare. Yeah. Um, that's going to be brilliant. Monster Hurling is always brilliant. Monster Hurling, like, I think anyone who watched it last year can only can only be like overjoyed and seeing what they saw because yeah. it, the Munster Championship took on a new level with the level of games that that it produced. I mean, they, they all come, come to and mind. And the number of games. because The number of games as well. Same in Leinster. I mean, yeah. you, you can't discount that. It's going to be very interesting in Leinster as well. Kilkenny, Dublin, Wexford, the favourites come through, but you've Carlo and Kerry in there now as well. Like So, I mean, yeah, it's going to be very interesting this weekend to see let's see Cork and Tip traditionally as I said but the Waterford Clare game for me is the really really one that stands out and you get off to a winning start in week one you know you're just right we're on the road here Limerick did it against Tipperary last year drew with Cork the next day and then of course the last or beat Waterford then of course the last they lost to Clare but you know it, it was fascinating viewing I mean, there's an argument out there that Limerick mightn't even get out of Munster this mm-hmm. year, g- given the level of competition. Tipperary have new management. It was Walsh close enough last management. year as well. It was yeah. very tight last year. So, look, it's fantastic. It's great. Summer Ireland's back. And uh, back over to the rugby then. You mentioned Bennett earlier. Yeah, we, we, we'll start with Bennett on. We'll obviously move on to other things in a minute. Um, it wasn't a good performance. They won JJ Hanrahan's last kick, or kick in the last few minutes from 50 metres. It doesn't paper over the cracks of what was a truly abject performance by Munster. Um, in the post-match press conference, uh, Johan van Grand played everything with a straight bat. He was, he was asked, um, did you dodge a bullet? He said he, he wouldn't say that, that we did dodge a bullet, but the performance wasn't up to scratch. It wasn't up to scratch. Benetton came with everything they had and were very, very unlucky not to come away with a victory. If a couple of offloads went to hand, 
there was no comeback for months. So the worrying trend was they got themselves into into position. I mean, they'd all the ball in the first half and somehow went in 10-3 behind it at halftime. But the worrying thing was a, a lack of cutting edge inside of Bennett on 22. Whether that was from errors or whether it was from coaching, I, I that's that's for someone more qualified for me to, to, to answer that question. But it wasn't good and they'll have to dial it up several, several notches against Leinster next weekend. Of course, Leinster have the Champions Cup final against Saracens this weekend too. But the bigger talking point will obviously be the confirmed exits of forwards coach Jerry Flannery and attack and um, backs coach Felix, Felix Jones. Contract offers were on the table. The last few weeks, Johan van Graham was telling us at the Munster press conferences his sole priority was keeping them while adding other coaches and with maybe one other coach to help them. There was rumours that it was um, Wales coach Rob Howley over the weekend and then this break so it certainly leaves Munster in a mess they're gone at the end of this season it, it's just was there a reason behind them not resigning or I, I don't know no. is, 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 the, is the blatant <laughs> answer to that um, because Van Gran only recently extended his stay yeah well that, that, that's the thing Van Gran uh, there, there, I don't know how there's, there's probably plenty of rumours going around I've heard a couple of bits and pieces but rumours are rumours you can't hold anything yeah, on exactly. that yeah. Uh, the truth is I don't know what's happened that whether Felix Jones and Jerry Flannery have offers to go elsewhere whether they weren't happy with the offer on the table I, uh, for me I certainly can't imagine that Jerry Flannery would have wanted to coach anywhere else that than Munster yeah. I could be well off the mark with that but it just never gave me the impression that <laughs> yeah, yeah. this was the be all and end all job for him I could, again I'll hold my hands up I could be completely wrong on that so something's amiss somewhere but what that is, we may find out in due time. We very well, more than likely, won't. But either watch way, space. yeah, watch this yeah. space. Either way, it, it doesn't reflect well on Munster. I'm not sure how well it reflects on Jan Van Gran. I don't know, but he he was saying for the last few weeks that his his priority was making sure that Felix Jones and Jerry Flannery were staying at Munster. The acting. Um, Munster CEO said yesterday in the statement released announcing Jones and Flannery's departures that he believes they did everything they could to keep them. It hasn't worked out. Yeah, what more could you want? You know, you can only you can only put an offer on the table if it's not it. accepted. Yeah. You move on, and that's what Munster have to do. They'll have to they'll have to scour yeah. the rest of the world for coaching for for coaches now. I mean, I, is there any out there that you think might? Well, well, the talk, well, I mentioned Rob Howley. They were talking about bringing Rob Howley in anyway. Look, straight away it's going to be mentioned that Paul O'Connell and Ron O'Gara are the likely candidates, given Paul O'Connell is a forwards coach and was so with Stade Francais this season. Ron O'Gara has been a defence coach, a backs coach. and Any time anything opens up in Munster, Paul O'Connell and Ron O'Gara are going to be mentioned. Wishful thinking, maybe. It, it, look, yeah. you, you can always hope. Yeah. Um, I, I'd imagine Ron O'Gara would be looking to try and go down the head coaching route before if he ever comes back to Munster that's ifs buts whatever else Paul O'Connell said recently that he doesn't know if he'll go back into coaching or that he's a few years away from coaching Munster anyway so read what you want into that I'm sure it'll be bandied around plenty <laughs> that they're the two to come in I'm not so sure on that but it's a good story either way yeah it is and uh, we were both at the Super Blues on Friday 
Yeah, well, where do you start with that? Um, it was a bit of a tense affair, wasn't it? The protest, yeah. The, the, the game itself was a bit of a, a damn squib. Let's not hide around the fact that was... For, for most of it. Anyway, for most of it, up until the... Especially as a Limerick the, fan. It yeah, was. the 84th minute. Limerick, Limerick um, had a lot of young players on the field yeah. again with Aaron Fitzgerald. Um, Ger Barry and Lee Devitt up in the midfield, or the kind of front three, or front four, along with Conor Ellis. They were very good well, Aaron Fitzgerald, sorry, left back, but they were very good. I mean, Lee Devitt had an outstanding game on, on his first start for Limerick. And it took a Sean Kelly goal, but a wonder goal to win the game for Limerick. But again, very solid defensively. They had a couple of chances that um, did Bray. But Limerick, all in all, you, you, you'll say the same. I'd imagine they were very tight and solid. Never really looked like conceding well, outside of a couple of first half chances. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And then they came away with it. But the bigger talking points is what was going on in the stand um, with the protests surrounding Sean Connor. The, is he the, I don't know what he is at this stage. Is he, he's head of the, the, an interested party that looks to, looks to be investing. He seems to be the spo- spokesman. It looks That looked to be investing in Limerick FC. Um, so this is the ex-Galway manager. Ex-Galway, Bose, Dundalk manager. And a team in Zimbabwe. Wasn't team in Zimbabwe, it? a couple yeah. of other teams. Yeah. Um yeah, let's just say he was at the game with Pat O'Sullivan. Um, he wasn't met with open arms. I think no. it's the easiest way to say it. Um, a lot of stuff said that was probably over the top in my eyes. But anyone's, I, I will never, of, ever, um, ever question anyone's right to protest anything. Everyone has the right to protest if they see fit. But some of the stuff that was veiled at him and landed at him was, in my view, over the top. Especially when there's a lot of families argue. around as well. People have to remember that. Yeah, um, there are a lot of families in the stand. It, do, it didn't look good for Limerick FC. As it, you, you highlighted it as well, that there was a player ejected for a sign. A he fan. Was, a fan. Sorry, a player ejected. <laughs> yeah. Players didn't object to that. Um, no, there was a fan um, ejected uh, for what he had written on the sign about Sean Connor. Um, yeah, it, it didn't It didn't look good for Limerick Um but as I said, player, our fans are entitled to the protest. Yeah. But what did look good for Limerick is getting three points. Another three a points. A Bray team that bet them 2 0. Yeah, um, yeah. And a Bray team that are a very well fancied Bray team. You yeah. looked all over that Bray team. There was quality players, quality League of Ireland players all over the park for them. And Limerick still pulled off. It did take a wonder goal from Sean Kelly. He's tried it a number of times this season. It hasn't worked out trying to replicate the goal he got four years <laughs> ago against Finn Harps. This one wasn't as good a strike. It was a fine strike. Um, but it's, it's the win and that's that's all that matters for Limerick you know Tommy Barrett's doing a sterling job this year he's he's a very limited when you look at that staff. squad when, when, yeah. you, when you look at the Bray squad and Limerick squad Limerick yeah. had three outfield players on the bench due to five or six players being injured so I'm, I'm one of them players Kieran Hanlon is carrying a knee at the moment <laughs> like yeah. he's not fit he's coming on for the last 20 minutes but he's not he caused a bit of trouble when he came on he, he, he will cause trouble his, against his any team is, his, yeah. his size and his work rate yeah. and, and ability as well it yeah. has to be said at this level he's a good finisher the ball. He, he, he can certainly finish so you know, Limerick were outstanding you know, Conor Ellis was brilliant Jason Hughes and Darren Murphy very good in midfield but defensively again Killian Bruder Robbie Williams Sean Kelly and Aaron Fitzgerald on this occasion with Shane Tracy yeah. midfield very, very solid again. Jack Brady had actually one of his easier nights. You know, he made a couple of decent stops, but in, in other games I've seen at Markets Field this season, he's been a lot busier. Yeah. So Robbie Williams is actually having a very good season. Robbie Williams has been outstanding. Limerick's yeah. best player by a country mile, yeah. along with Brady this season, I'd argue anyway. Even coming out with the ball in the fence. Yeah, his base well is defending. still causing some uh, trouble down the wings, I think. As yeah, well. yeah. It's just, look, on, on, the, on the playing side, very, very impressive. Lee Devitt, as I said, and to a lesser extent, Joe Barry, very impressive. 
you know, still waiting for Will Fitzgerald to come back. Carlos Sullivan was out. The biggest issue for Limerick now, they're playing Drahada this Friday night and it's, his suspensions is what are, is going to kill them, I think, at times, as well as injuries. Jason Hughes is out now. He's he's picked up five yellow cards so far this season. He's going to take a game out due to suspension. Who comes in? That's the biggest question. But uh, at it's the easy moment, to pick up bookings in the pace of the game. Very, in the very easy Ireland to pick up yellow cards, yeah. yeah. Um, but I just want to mention again, Tammy Barrett's doing a great job. They're very, very limited resources. And certainly at home, and I, and I, and I think it was, a, it was a huge problem in Limerick's relegation last season. Even when they had the full squad before the wages weren't paid and stuff again, we may talk about that again another time. But um, home form was an issue. They beat Bray four times last season. Effectively, that's what got them to the relegation playoff. Yeah. With this season, you know, home form. If Liverpool, if, if Liverpool, if Limerick <laughs> are going to have any chance of reaching the playoffs or staying around the playoff picture, it's got to be their home form that gets them there. And so far this season, two goals conceded. You know, they've been it's been a fortress markets field despite only a couple of hundred there again, despite the fans not turning up in numbers. It's only positive so far on the playing side of Marketsfield. And I think the atmosphere was kind of uh, dead for the first half in there as well. It's safe to Bar say. the protest, yeah. the, the atmosphere was dead the whole way through yeah. until Sean Kelly's goal. So we have to get more people down to these games to show support. That's for it. Lads, yeah. That's it, you know. And like, you couldn't argue what Limerick are doing at home. And no. I, I will stress, though, this is on the field. I think the issues off the field are, are probably the main reason as to why people aren't turning up to Limerick. And we'll keep an eye on that for you as well. So all our sports news is available in this week's paper and online at limerickpost.ie. And thank you again for supporting Limerick, who bring us all our sports content. Uh, John Kyo, thanks for joining me in the studio today. More than welcome, Ian. Have a good one. You too. Once again, this week's podcast is brought to you by Iceland. Great deals, lowest prices. I'm now joined by our entertainment guru, Eric Fitzgerald. Eric, how are you getting on? Hi, Keen. How did you survive the uh, weekend? I just was? about survived it. Yeah, it was a good one. No, it was a brilliant weekend. And uh, I even got to see a bit of the stunning, which I was happy with on yeah. Sunday. It might yeah. have been the gig of the weekend, maybe. I think so. There was and, some crowd uh, at it. And yeah. Uh, yeah, great turnout for the racing, uh, for the running, and um, the weather held up. So what else? Perfect weekend. Really I, I don't think we weekend. could have asked for any more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, what, what are we entertaining so, the yeah, masses? Well, well, the fun doesn't stop. You know, you don't have to run away for the summer or anything like that. Uh, there's plenty going on around the, the town, even for uh, the next uh, weekend or so and going forwards. Um, yeah, so we had, a, we had a, look, a look through what's going on. I suppose a quick look through the listings that we have. We were chatting about Deirdre O'Kane last week and uh, her uh, new show is uh, this Thursday, uh, A Line of O'Kane. And as we were saying, it's our last be a good time one as well, yeah. running that particular show that she's written about her, her time on uh, Dancing with the Stars and uh, and turning the grand old age of 50 and stuff like that. And the, the Blind by podcast is also running two nights in Dolan. So, you know, you might be able to blag a ticket at this late it's probably stage probably sold out I'd say is it is it yeah. is yeah and uh, I suppose another one to note um, might be uh, Jafaris and that's being presented by Show the Shows Jafaris is a, a Dublin based Zimbabwean uh, rapper and uh, he's been making some serious waves so and um, yeah he, he's probably out of that new generation of hip hop that we'll keep talking about here every week and uh, yeah he's he's coming down to us on uh, Friday so that's going to be a really good show um, so yeah there's a br- brand new track uh, from the debut album and uh, which was released in March uh, as Fall My Feet and a couple of other tracks like that it's kind of a real summery vibe 
Uh, so his timing is perfect coming down here. Yeah, for nice this one. Weekend. Keep the mood yeah. uplifted. I think so, yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, there's, there's quite a, a poppy s- a feel to the kind of stuff that uh, his label do, you know. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I'd say it could be the, the gig of the weekend. Brilliant. You know? Worth checking um, out. Worth checking out yeah. for sure. And uh, yeah. earlier on in the week on Megan's show, we were talking to Hazy Hayes and Citrus, and he mentioned he had some new music coming out, which I see you have on your page. Yeah, there's a little bit Citrus about Fresh. it. Uh, c- uh, Citrus Fresh is coming uh out with a brand new five tracker and uh, he just kind of put it up there on Bandcamp uh, on the PX Music crew that are uh, that are bringing out a lot of this cool stuff that's coming out at the moment and uh, yeah you can actually hear two tracks on it of that uh, EP already and the rest are dropping on Friday um, and yeah and the, the stuff that he has on it it's kind of it's, it's, it's dark and it's electronic but there's great melody in it and uh, he does give shout outs to Hazy so Hazy's has obviously jumped in on one or two of the tracks as well and interesting enough 40 Hertz who we were talking about last week yeah. as well um, so he's a dubstep electronic in- engineer producer um, he's provided some backing music, so we, uh, we were tra- talking about that again. That uh, there's there's guys from the, from the different forms of music starting to work their music together, you know. So can you get any more local? You know, can't get any more <laughs> local than that. Like you know, Citrus Fresh and and, and Forty Hertz out of Clonlara, you know, and, yeah. and making incredible worldwide uh, dubstep influenced hip hop. What Brilliant. more do you want? So that'd be on Bandcamp. Exactly, yeah. that's on Bandcamp as well. Just yeah. look up PX Music 061 on Bandcamp uh, or Citrus Fresh on Bandcamp, and you'll find it easy enough, you know. And then we have Post Punk Podge as well. Back the with legend that is yeah. Post Punk Podge, and the good news is he is now officially playing. Glastonbury and uh, he's not playing Glastonbury for one night he's playing it for all the nights so he's going to be playing on the piano bar stage and he is also going to be playing in the Strummerville stage as well and uh, yeah this is a dream come true for him he was just chatting to him today like and he like myself and I'm sure yourself we would have watched Glastonbury on the telly I was went over there myself in the 90s I mean the, the festival has just got bigger 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 um, but the production that BBC put into you know, even the televised version of it. It's uh, most music fans would would wouldn't wouldn't pass that by in June when it's when it's broadcast. It's good to see his work getting recognised as well. He's, he's getting around. You know, he's getting yeah. recognised, and people are starting to pick up on it. You know, and there was always a little undercurrent of good um, Irish acts turning up in Glastonbury yeah. every year as well. Like, because there is there's quite a, an Irish mafia that head over there anyway every year that it's on. Um, so he's uh with with all that said, he has brought out a track, and it's a feel good disco house anthem that he's brought out and uh, it's called uh, heavenly tones oh, lovely it's is that, is that a summer team him. again well or, he yeah. the, the idea is it, it's 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 straight up commerce now for this track he said <laughs> i need money to get to glastonbury i need to get my band to glastonbury and they they have this track now up on Bandcamp. if you be, if you uh, buy this track on Bandcamp, download it it is a super groovy dance track and i actually have a copy of it in on the file here and hopefully you'll be able to get it um it's it's an it's a wonderful track you know uh, more funk than punk but um they do a great job on it and um Yes, like I say, it all helps to get him uh, get the man a few bob. all the way yeah. uh, d- d- over to Glastonbury <laughs> safe and maybe home again. Even more so, more <laughs> important, you know. So yeah, a brilliant track, and just goes to show how um, you know how, how varied their uh, output can be. Yeah, and uh, you know it's 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 very convincing track. It's really cool. But like, I think listening to him on Spotify, there's going to be something there for anyone. 
anyway yeah. you know everyone, you know he's, he's gone right through like kind of yeah. it's got that aggressive kind of punk kind of uh attitude with some of the music but then more of it is kind of hip-hop based and like yeah. i say now they have brought in this kind of the kind of a more funky daft punk style dance sound you know so i mean look at he can do it perfect all. for glastonbury as well i think yeah. that would that, i think that would go down that would storm and the <laughs> nice sunshine man. hopefully the sunshine not more than well he's like it can be sometimes <laughs> over there but uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's a good one, and uh, we'll give you a spin on that one. And uh, yeah, like, like I say, it's called uh, "Heavenly Tones" uh, by Post Punk Podge and and the Techno Hippies. The only other thing I was uh, doing uh, this week as well, uh, looking slightly forwards again, I had a chat with Gronya Cotter, and uh, she's uh, she's based in Galway at the moment, but she's a Clare girl out of Kilmaley, uh, some from from my own county of Clare, and uh, she has been making some incredible music uh, for the last couple of years. She's got an awful lot of support from the likes of RT Radio One, and I know she's been on a lot of festivals like Electric Picnic. Other voices featured her, so she's she's a kind of a, she's a kind of a jazz fusion with folk music um, it's very sophisticated and polished her background is that she went and she studied violin and uh, she studied music in general and then as she said herself she only discovered she had a really good singing voice in her 20s so she was a good while at it uh, she comes from a strong musical family and um, now she's put this band together uh, the album came out Tides came out in 2018 now she's got a brand new single out called Shadows been knocking about now for a couple of weeks uh, it got her into a, a competition to uh, headline the van the van festival van festival very hard name to say <laughs> van festival festival uh, and uh, th- th- she was competing just to actually tur- be turning up at that festival um, so yeah the album's out uh, from last year but this new single is really good and there's a lovely video to go with it so the track is called Shadows, and we'll have a we'll have a link for it on the website to have a look Brilliant. at it. And um, the music, yeah, pretty incredible stuff. And even her dad is playing uh, a bit of music on it as well. And he's uh, well known in in jazz quarters around this part now. And the important thing to tell you is that she will be bringing her full band with her uh, down to uh, the record room, the commercial, and that'll be Thursday, May 16. So it'll be next Thursday. There's one for and the diary anyway. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And if you're chatting to her, just ask her about how she ended up uh, owning David Bowie's uh, spaceman suit. So they, um, when, when they were making the video, they had a, 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 the guy making the video for them um, had a contact and a friend of a friend. And um, check out the video. You will see um, the Black Star video from David Bowie from two or three years ago. And uh, yeah, they have the suit and they used it for the video that they made. Excellent. Um, uh, which which was made in Clifton. So well, we're checking out. Check out the video. Check out the gig. She's an incredible singer. And um, and yeah, check out the article in Eric's entertainment it's all section. There. It's yeah. all there. Page seventy one. There's loads of stuff Eric, going on there. Thanks very much for joining us this week. Talk soon. Best of luck. Enjoy the weekend. You too. Once again, this week's podcast is brought to you by Iceland. Great deals, lowest prices. I'm now joined by our arts editor Rose Rush. Rose, how are you? This is so exciting, Keen, being interviewed down the line from you from Iceland. Cold up there, <laughs> yes. It, it's chilly enough, yeah. Uh, Rose, there's a lot going on the arts page this week, we which have, is good to see. 
And you know what? It's led by St. Michael's Church on Perry Square, a Church of Ireland church. And a significant milestone. It is. Yeah. And St. Mary's Cathedral as well. The two, and it's beautiful to be able to use this expression, the two sites of worship working in concert together. St. Michael's is celebrating its 170th year in Limerick. The very lovely um, pain-designed church uh, sited beautifully in the heart of the Georgian Quarter, no more than St. Mary's Cathedral is, I think it's our number three pulling site in Limerick with respect to tourist footfall. It's up there anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah I didn't know what it is, number it three. Is, yeah. I, I went through that with uh, Dean, uh, very Reverend Dean Niall Sloan this year. King John's Castle is first, then is that museum, and then is St. Mary's Cathedral. So, um, anyway, on the coattails of St. Mary's 150th year, last year, a really, a truly exciting year with a huge programme. Um, the Church of Ireland is keeping the momentum going for the parish of Limerick and Killaloo, celebrating, bringing the church into the community. Every person is welcome to support an anniversary concert. It takes place this Friday, May 10. The primary instigator is Irina Darnova. She's organist with uh, organist with uh, organ player with St. Michael's Church. Um, the promoter for this concert is Peter Barley, who takes care of the music pro- program for St. Mary's Cathedral. They got some funding from Limerick Council for this. And to that end, they have booked an extraordinary concert. We've um, Belcanto Soprano. Uh, Magella McCullough, she's singing with Owen Gilhooley. Their colleagues together out in Owen's Midwest uh, Vocal Academy School. And uh, he's also leader of Yida Choir. They're singing on the night with Owen as tenor and Magella McCullough Bel Canto. They're going to have an extraordinary programme of music that's on. Tickets are just 15 euro for exceptional soloists. Brilliant. And that's this Friday. That's worth checking out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Rose, it's not often we see opera in Limerick. Well, I'll tell you what, can I keep it to the churches for a moment? You can keep it to the churches for a moment. I'll tell you yeah. why. St. Mary's Cathedral is famous for its free lunchtime concerts taking place typically on a Wednesday at the hour of one fifteen. They have a world-class trumpet player in this year. I was going through his biography. I had to cut it. Uh, I think, into 100 pieces to get any little snip on the page. His list of credits are so extraordinary. His name is Morris Northcutt, and uh, he's a Global Music Award Silver Medal winner. He's toured throughout Europe, DSA and Canada, and he's coming here actually courtesy of the Reds, the Redemptorist Centre of Music. That's a free concert, again, for all the community at St. Mary's Cathedral next Wednesday, the 15th at 1.15pm. Go with joy in your mm. heart. Especially if you want something different for your lunch break. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And it's a huge regret to you and me, Kim, yeah. that uh, St. Mary's is just so far away yeah. from us here. Yeah. We're Upper Henry Street folks. So now can we go to the opera? We oh, can. We can. We'll keep it with music <laughs> for a moment. Um, University Concert Hall is presenting a co-production between the Irish National Opera and the Concert Hall's close neighbour there in, pa- in Plassey Irish Chamber Orchestra. This is a concert production of the opera, so it won't be in full dress with the full technical effects, but it will be a beautifully delivered production of Mozart's Magic Flute. That takes place um, on Sunday, May 19th, and it's one in a series of elaborate productions between the Irish Chamber Orchestra 
and Irish National Opera. It's going to be an almighty event. I'm so looking forward to it. Soloist Anna Devlin. Uh, we've Audrey Luna. We've Rachel Croach. She sang here recently. Raffaella Mangan, Andrew Gavin, Amy Arig. Fergal Curtis, uh, it's going to be a really, 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 you know, brilliant piece of work. Yeah. Absolutely. So line up. And you then, can uh, see why they can't afford to bring a fully costumed, full technical backup to yeah. every venue. So we're lucky to have this exposure. To brilliant. It. And then we're jumping from UCH into the bell table. We are indeed. Yeah, this is a show called The Water Boys. And it really, with a, a terrific sense of humour, it champions both lovely hurling and people with uh, people of ability who carry a disability. So it's from Equinox Theatre Company and the water boys Kilkenny made so clearly it has hurling at its heart. I were told that uh, Jim and Gary have a double life. They are actors by day, but by night they are the water boys for Carrick Shock hurling team. As kids, they dreamed of raising an All-Ireland hurling trophy in, in Croke Park. Their bodies may have prevented them playing for their club, but nothing will stop these striped crusaders from being part of their team. Gorgeous, gorgeous show. Really funny, I hear. That's on this Friday, May 10 in Belgium. Excellent. So anyone wants some comedy, pop on, pop in to Belgium. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it'll please all ages and expect a lot of laughs. Brilliant. Creativity at its core as well, of course. And then uh, some visual art, Rose, if you want to touch on yeah, that. Yeah, visual art, but not an exhibition as we know it. Uh, this is an appeal to experienced painters experienced drawers and um, probably to limerick figure society as well uh it's a one-day workshop uh, run to high order taking place on national drawing day in hunt museum for saturday may 18 the leader in this is adrian cook and he is teaching us the french drawing course which was uh, propagated throughout france in the 1860s by the french government in an effort, quote, to preserve traditional art practices as modern art movements began to abandon the old academic style. So it's going to be a day of uh, high-end teaching. Art materials be, will be supplied to you and refreshments are included in the cost. You'll find more news on www.classicalartsatelier.com. And I have a telephone number for Adrian Cook on the page as well, Kian. Brilliant. And you can find all that information on Rose's Arts page this week in right the on, Limerick right Post on. newspaper and online at limerickpost.ie. That's great. And I have two interviews, one with Peter Barley for St. Michael's and another then with Charlotte Eglinton of Irish Chamber Orchestra on the page. Excellent. Rose, thanks very much for joining us. Thank and you, Kian. Have a lovely evening. Bye-bye to Iceland. So this has been the Limerick Post News Roundup. I've been your host, Keen Reinhardt. I'd like to thank Rose Rush, our arts editor, Head of News, Jerry Collison, journalist Bernie English, Limerick Post Show presenter, Megan Scully, John Keogh from Sporting Limerick, and Entertainment's editor, Eric Fitzgerald, for joining me today. Thank you, good self, Keith, yeah. for bringing us all together and putting it together as our technical editor and producer. Appreciate it. Cheers, Rose. And uh, this, this week's podcast has been brought to you by Iceland. <laughs> Great deals, lowest prices. And all Limerick news can be found on limerickpost.ie and found the hashtag keeping Limerick posted across all social media channels. We really are keeping Limerick posted. <laughs>